Holy Madness is brought to you by JewishCoffeeHouse.com. Ich versteinest. Testing, testing. Are Tvi's kids asleep or not? Only time will tell. When will the sushi arrive? Welcome to the Holy Madness! Will someone please let me out of here? <laughs> Where do you want to go? No, I, was, I figured it would be funny if you're going to keep the beginning. It wasn't that yeah, funny. Yeah, I was, I was trying to get kind of a stadium effect, but it came more out, more like a big bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> that's why people sing in the shower so that's, much. That's kind of our brand, I feel. Big bathroom. Singing in the shower? Well. We are the Holy Madness, singing in the shower. It's very WWE-like. What's the E? World Wrestling Entertainment. They changed it when the World Wildlife Foundation sued them. <laughs> you didn't hear about this a couple of years I ago? I always wondered about that. The WWF and the WWF. And then it turns out that the wrestling one is far less violent. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Was that like a study or something? No, it's like it was like whistleblowers. Turns out WWF was like murdering people who were... who. Like natives oh, who were like yeah, living too yeah. close to their places, they were hiring. Crazy. Yeah, they were utter, utterly insane. Yeah, the World Wildlife dollars. Federation turns out to be kind of, a little bit evil. Just a little. Hey, it's only a few murders. It's not a lot of murders, relatively speaking, compared to like the Nazis. They're not so bad. So, how do you feel about professional wrestling, today? I don't. <laughs> I, I just don't. Like it doesn't really come across my anything. I always resented it because I actually wrestled. Ah, uh, well, in another life, you could have been a steroided up millionaire. <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> I like my testicles working. Uh, that's overrated, though. $100 million lasts a lifetime. Your testicles are good for what, 30 years? This is a good point. You do what you have to do. You get in, you get out. <laughs> How long do you need them for, really, anyway? Exactly. How many guys get a, what's it called? The vast deference. Uh, oh, the snippety snip. Yeah. That's the technical term for it. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we have It's Latin, actually. Uh, snippity snippus. <laughs> <laughs> snippity snippus. Snippity snippi. <laughs> anyway. That's actually the entire extent of my Latin knowledge. <laughs> hmm. You know, we haven't talked about much on the podcast. A lot. It's true. <laughs> But in particular, I was thinking about sex. Oh. It's, well, it's a little bit weird, actually. Well, that's not true, actually. We've alluded to it a bunch. Well, it's hard not to allude to sex. Right, I mean, like, you know. It's kind of fundamental. Well, that depends. On what? I, uh, we aren't snails. Wait. Even even snails reproduce sexually. We aren't, you know, bacteria. Don't they do that, too? Um, I, I don't know. Do bacteria do sexual reproduction? I'm pretty sure. I think the the this is like the amoebas are the ones that clone themselves, right? They definitely yeah. do. I don't know if there's bacteria with sexual reproduction. There might be. But the the thing is, first of all, because it gets a bad rap, and and religion is usually pretty sex averse in general. You know, that's true. Even even Jewish religion. Well, no, because you'll have to distinguish between Jewish religion and... Torah? Yeah. So, this is a fun time of year, I think. 
Um, but it's a strange one. I think this is this is something that that I actually would like to ask people about because you know, on one hand you have like the Beach Boys version of summer, right? Right. And then on the other, you know, you have the Jewish version of summer. Well, no, but that's the thing. <laughs> but experientially, there's always like, you know, uh, what's her name actually put out a song. Um, that, oh, I hate her so much uh, with an L. Uh, Lana Del Rey. So she has a song called Summertime Sadness. Mm-hmm. And it was a massive hit. So I assume it's speaking to people, right? Seems so, like it. So, like, you have these two conceptions of summer. One in which is, like, yay, you know, vacation and nice weather and fun stuff and all that. And on the other, there's just, like, this horrible, empty, annoying sense that people have. Who has an empty sense in summer? A lot of people. I think. I think they're both there at the same time. Well, what is Lana's issue? A lot. Lana's a really weird person. I mean, just reading the lyrics, you can get a... I mean, you know, the uh, the chorus is actually brilliant, and it's uh, pathos and uh, depth of feeling. I got that summertime. I got that summertime. I got that summertime. I got that summertime. Summertime sadness. Should I continue? <laughs> <laughs> But no, but the truth is, I'm feeling eclectic tonight. Oh, no, even, no, electric tonight. Yes, <laughs> but but the thing is, even even you know, all the like all these you know movies. So summertime is always this like sense of freedom, but but the end is always creeping up on you, right? See you in September. That kind of end, basically. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like you know, so so. Kid Rock's uh, redo of uh, Sweet Home Alabama, mm-hmm. right, is this song of, like, of all these friends, and they're around the summer, and they're hanging out, and they're having fun, and uh, whatever. But, like, you know how it ends, and the summer's over, and then it's just a memory. And that sense of, but it just ends, and then it'll just be a memory, is very, very powerful in people's experience when it comes to summertime. Ah, uh, there's a sense that it's like a summertime bubble. Right. You have this period in which you have... Utter liberty, and then it's over, and back to the grindstone. And it was as if it was never there, because it doesn't integrate with anything after. Exactly. Uh-huh. So, so, and it's weird because, like I was saying, these these both exist at the same time for well, most no, people. That, that's the whole thing. You have the bubble, and you can right. enjoy the bubble, but, but you're aware, it's a of, right? But and you're aware of it. Mm-hmm. So, and then you mentioned a second ago the whole Jewish thing and how we do our summers. Um, in the Catskills, you racist. No, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> um, but you know, with the, with the Bena Mitzarim, the period of the three weeks, uh, between where the walls of Jerusalem are breached. And then when the temple is burned down, Shavasar B'Tamuz and Tisha B'Av. And, you know, we take on certain things of mourning, which actually we're talking about in the totally parenthetical and flying off into a tangent as, you know, I do. Uh, but we were talking about this in the office the other day. I pointed out that it's really funny that most people do more for the three weeks than they do when they're actually in Avelut. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. Because, like, you, you look at the period of, of, of Avelus as, like, a finite thing, and it's a personal thing. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, sure, I understand I'm not supposed to get a haircut, but, like, let's call a spade a spade. I'm still going back to work. I don't feel good with long, greasy, messy hair. I get a haircut, whatever. But like during the three weeks, you'd never do that, <laughs> you know. Uh-huh. Or like music. 
So like people will be like, you know, look, I'm driving of an hour commute. I, I go crazy if there's no noise to distract me, blah, blah, blah. People put on music in their cars. But during three weeks, they would never do that. Ah, and you think it's the difference between personal mourning being merely personal versus this is the three weeks. No, this you're such our... an optimist. Oh, so what is it? <laughs> it's just religious. <laughs> oh, like superstitious. Like, I can't do that during the three weeks. Right. Otherwise, the temple will be burned down again. Wait, no. no. Otherwise. Just because it's the religious thing. Yeah, I'm not allowed to do this. But when it, when there's something personal and you're actually interacting with something you and experiencing to do something, this. fine. But again, there's like a beautiful gray area. Between... You're saying like the actual experience of something sort of negates the, like it takes you out of the religious elements of it. Right. So now anything that you were going to do is negated because that's no longer actually relevant for you. No, because the truth is when it comes to mourning, mm-hmm. the halachot are more like guidelines right Mm -hmm. there are ways to be able to interact we don't call them the ten commandments we think of them more like the ten suggestions well listen anybody who's ever been to israel knows that laws are just suggestions anyways (laughs) traffic laws all laws but jokes aside no but that's the point so like now you're in something you know what the framework that these things are meant to create and you can kind of say look this is the space i'm in and you'll uh-huh, play with uh-huh. it. Whereas for the three weeks, no one's in any space at all. They kind of artificially create one with these rules mm-hmm. that they slavishly follow. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't go anywhere. I mean, like, look, I'm sure a lot of people will be listening to this going, what are you talking about? It's not true, blah, 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 whatever. But, like, that's, you know. But, well, what, uh, what were the three weeks like in Flatbush? I was only in Flatbush twice. I was always in the mountains. Oh, really? Yeah. I was always oh, in you weren't camp. kidding about being Yeah. I was always in summer camp. And do you do things differently in summer camp? For yeah. So weeks? first of all, they don't play any music over the loudspeakers. Okay. Right. That's the nine days. But only the nine days. Right. So there's no okay. swimming during the nine days. Okay. They have like programming that they try to introduce. You know, every camp does uh, what they call the cantata, which is cantata. like yeah, Bach. No. But there's no music. Right. Are we Dafka sing Jesus music? No. During the nine day- no. Okay. No. No. It's just a sad play and a choir. And they bring the music part and the play part together. And it's meant to be this, like, sad... They usually do it, like, you know, the night before Tisha B'Av. Uh-huh. And it's meant to, like, set the mood and okay. blah, blah. Okay. Um, What else was really different? Not not much, really. Truth is, what's really different to anyone? But that's kind of what I'm saying. There, Most people don't enter the space, Bein HaMitzarim, in the first place, that there is anything that's really different in their daily life see i relate a lot to shiva sarvatamus to the the opening fast of the three weeks and and to tisha B'av, the closing fast of the three weeks but the period in between for me is uh, i don't know I, I don't really experience it as a space for me it's not like the period of you know amoid and homoid like sukkot where you have a seven-day period and or, the space in between, yeah. right? Or even like Hanukkah, where that, that period is more open because it's all whole, right? It's all, um, like, there are no special holiday restrictions during Hanukkah, mm-hmm. right? But, like, I experience Hanukkah as I am in an eight-day space. You know, similarly Pesach, similarly the whole Omer period, I experience very intensely that way. But the three weeks, I do not experience that way. Right. So I'm saying, I don't, I don't think most people do. 
I think on some level, wait, but this is where the two mm. things kind of come together. I think on some level people do because there's already this sense of like a bubble and people feel like they're in a bubble. So like During if you're, three weeks? You, no, the summer in general and the three weeks kind of defines the summer uh, in, in many ways for, for religious Jews. I feel like you're throwing but two things together here I'm, that are well, different Well, hold worlds. on, but this is what I'm saying. Okay. So look, your typical religious Jewish person is still working during the summer right right and either their kids and wife are off in some bungalow colony let's do an american that's nice (laughs) right or or whatever everyone's home but like you're doing the same thing it's just that it's a lot hotter outside and your kids are off you got to do some sort of programming for them so you're sending them to day camp or sleepaway camp or your wife's home or your wife's working and your husband's home doesn't you know whatever once but there there is this sense of like you're in a different place not necessarily space but place but your life doesn't change so there's this weird sense of something's off something's different mm-hmm. but just not for you Ah, uh-huh. like, so that's why i'm mixing those two things together i think okay. everybody has this in general for the summer and then for religious jewelry it's exacerbated by the fact you know what's different it just isn't different <laughs> which is the same kind of bubble Hmm. magnify it i think for me part of it is that i'm inclined to strict interpretations of things and black and white thinking and this is the different customs and minhagim during this time period are hard for me to relate to because it's like well ashkenazim do it this way and Sephardim do it this way and how much of this is really halachic at all right for me it's just kind of like i don't know what to do with this Right. Like none of this is ingrained in me since childhood. None of this, like none of these morning minhagim really speak to me. It's like, okay, I won't get a haircut. I mean, how often do I get a haircut anyway? Right. Right. Like uh, maybe I'll go without cutting my fingernails or something. Like, uh, I don't know. That's not a thing. Don't, right. <laughs> don't fail to cut your fingernails. Um, but um no brushing teeth yeah but um oh but that's wait so that's one of the things in summer camp that was different that always drove me batty was you know that during the nine days so you're not supposed to wear freshly laundered clothing so generally they would tell you so all the clothing like the last round of laundry put on your clothing no it's like either put it on and take it off or throw it on the floor and like the kids who were more frumped would like step on it when it was on the floor and like i'm just like sitting there like you have to understand, when they said this, it was because freshly laundered garments were something you did, like, three times a year. Yeah. And then, so there was, like, you really felt a difference. I don't know if I ever, my thing is, like, you ever put on a pair of socks for the first time? Take them out of the bag and you put them on yes. and they're all, like, soft and nice and fuzzy. Like, that feeling. We right. don't get that. Yeah. Your, your clean clothes aren't really for you as much as they're for everyone around you. <laughs> they don't want to smell that. Yeah. You know, and you don't want to look like a hobo. That was, you know, the one real, like, thing. And, you know, it, it drove me nuts. You know that, like, oh, there's Zadie, no fresh one. And then it's like you're making, you're cracking, this is why I thought of it. You're cracking jokes like, oh, don't brush your teeth. Like, people are like, I'm going to I'm gonna crumple it up in a bowl. <laughs> and then I'm going to throw it on the floor. But the floor's not dirty enough. <laughs> so I'll throw it outside. Yes, this is what people did. Like you have. You can imagine be. like kids in summer camp getting into a competition. I'm gonna throw my clean laundry yes. into the dumpster. Yes, yes. Oh man. So that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So well, anyway, that's, the point that's is, don't you. throw your clothes in a dumpster and don't stop brushing your teeth. 
Yeah. The other thing is that the... Oh, no the, showers was a great one. <laughs> You're playing, ball. Must have loved You're playing that. ball seven hours a day, so you know you have to make sure not to shower, so that you know you can be attracting flies. <laughs> that was the best. Oh man! Oh, you guys, anyway. you guys had a great time. Oh man! But so the other thing is that Shivasar Batamus is the. If we go to the root of the day, it's the day that Moshe broke the tablets. He comes down from the mountain. He sees the Egel Zahav, the golden calf, and he throws down the two tablets, breaks them. And that breaks the initial relationship that we had to, to Torah. Hmm. Now our whole relationship to Torah needs to be reconstituted on a different, much lower level. We'll have to grow into the higher level eventually. It's understood to be kind of a, a recapitulation of the eating from the tree. So that's the Shiva Sarbatamuz. And then... Tishabav, the fundamental root, is when the spies return from their 40-day journey in er- through Eretz Israel, through the land of Israel, and speak Lashon Hara, speak slander about the land, or really about our capability to enter the land. Right. And then that essentially banishes us for... Four years. Yeah, an additional 38 years, a total of 40 years in the desert, in the wilderness. You know, a generation has to die off as a result of that. And the period between those two events is not three weeks. Right. So it just happens to work out that where these things fall in the calendar. Well, what's even the relationship between these two things? Like the right. two worst things that happened to us in the wilderness? Like, okay, maybe. But like, why would we... Even that's debatable. Yeah, that's debatable, right. certainly. But like, why would we set up a period between them? What kind well, of space that's is not, that? You're cheating because you're what? going back to the historical roots of why these days wind up being bad days, but it's not why they're on our calendars. They're on our calendars because we have this tradition that both times the Babylonians and the Romans they broke the through the walls of Jerusalem on the seventeenth and they burnt the temple on the ninth of the next month. Even in that case, though, we're talking about a three week period. Well, is it actually dates. a three-week period? They're not accurate dates between you and me, but those are what we, that's how we've encoded them in our national memory. And so those are the dates that we keep, even if they're not exactly accurate. Second Temple wasn't burnt on the 9th of Av, it was burnt on the 10th of Av. And the Babylonians didn't break through on uh, the 17th of Thomas. They broke through, I think, uh, 21st, I want to say. Oh, the 21st? One of the two times the date is like off by three or four days. It's in the Pesukim. I think like Divrei Yama. And then the Gemara raises it and goes, what? And they're like, yeah, but this is how we remember it. We're tying all these things together. That for Tishabab, I know. That for Shivasar Vatamuz. I'm almost positive. Okay. We await your letters of correction. (laughs) Dear Holy Madness, you're totally wrong and you're making stuff up. As usual. Um, but uh, no, so I'm saying, so like, yeah, the reason that they're on the calendar is because of that, not because of what took place. We can then go draw lines back from why did they break through the walls in the 17th because uh, whatever, fine. Now you're trying to trace patterns in time, to borrow a phrase. That's kind of fascinating, too. Like, why wouldn't we already have them? We all, They only get fixed on our calendar at a later stage of development when, when what? Something about our awareness of those days changes when we see them in relationship to the destruction of the temple like what you didn't see the the heft of those days initially i don't think so 
I don't think well, they... Well, apparently not. But, like, why Why not? Why was it only in relationship to the temple that we eventually got it? Because the truth is... I mean, look. Imagine you're you're alive sometime in the middle of the Second Temple era. Okay. Would you care about Tishaba? In the Second Temple period? Yeah. I imagine so. I don't. Why not? Because it was this historical thing. And yeah, the Nevi'im already told us we're going to go to Gaul. 70 years, whatever. Okay, so it happened. It's over. I don't think you have it as the kind of day that we have it today. No, but even during the Second Temple period, there's a sense of being on a lower level, of things not being what they were. Certainly, at least initially, we read about this in Ezra and Nehemiah. Fine, but now we'll move forward 300 years. Okay, so at the end of the Second Temple period, do I care about Tishabab? Everything's screwed up at that point. Like, yeah, but you're saying that with the gift of hindsight. This is my favorite thing about... No, sure, wait, sure. Wait, wait, wait. I, I, this I is agree. My favorite I don't care, thing. and everything is screwed up. This is my favorite thing about the typical Tishabab Tyrus pronunciation uh, done on purpose here. <laughs> but everybody likes to rag on Rav Zechariah ben Avkulis, right? Mm-hmm. The Gemara does it. Rav Yochanan right, does right, it, right? This right. is the epitome of the man who does not know what it means to, to worry properly. Right, Rabbi Yochanan. Right, Rabbi Yochanan drags him through the mud. Right. But, well, but the I thing guess. is, any single one of us were in his shoes, we would say the exact same thing. Any single one of us. Because, and this is the thing that I think people miss with the, the story, it takes on this kind of religious overtone of, ah, Hashem would never burn down the base on Mikdash. It's not even that. How many people are prepared today for the internet to go off? Nobody, you can't conceive almost nobody but no, nobody's ready for the internet to get turned off no, other no. than the crazy doomsday prep <laughs> or whatever but i'm saying like your typical people who benay brock is ready no but well, here's not even benay brock at this point right no but, but this is my point there are certain things which are foundational to the lives that you lead you cannot get out of them without stopping to live a regular normal life at today's day and age, if you're going to try to live without the internet, you will fail. Full stop. It's right. impossible. Right. And for you to actually try to live with in the back of your mind, how are we going to live without the internet? You're just essentially a subversive in terms of getting pulled into the future, kicking and screaming. So this actually happened to me a couple of weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago at this point. Someone pulled you into something, kicking and screaming? No, that I had to live for several days with almost no working phone lines and no working internet. Okay. And... It was enjoyable, wasn't it? There were aspects of it which were enjoyable, but I was surprised by how much it limited me. Like, obviously, we use the internet for many things, but the extent to which we become dependent on it. I was talking like, to my dad about like, this. I need to find my way to someplace I've never been before. Exactly. How am I going that, to get so there? So this is exactly what I was talking to my dad about. Where, I don't remember how it came up. My dad's like 65 and he's not the world's most technologically. Like, all uh, this crap is shut off. So now I need to go take care of some financial no, no, stuff to get the money flowing again. Would I need to go to my bank. When is it open? You have no idea. I have no idea. No, no, but like it's even worse than that because if you're under a certain age mm-hmm. and you're like single and working, mm-hmm. so like you live in a studio and you can't date without an you, internet. You can't date. <laughs> you can't eat. You don't cook at home. You order oh. Uber Eats or whatever. Not you can't go anywhere because you don't have Uber. Right. You can't bank because you've never stepped foot in your bank since you opened the account. It's all done through now. Mm-hmm. 
if you're 25 years old today or whatever, you know, around there, you cannot live. So if you're one of these weirdos that like, you know, is a old school traditionalist. A like prepper? I'll, no, that's what I'm saying. I'm not talking about the preppers. I'm talking about going off the grid. I'm like a Williamsburg both, But both meanings. My, my bathroom is a bomb shelter with <laughs> plastic lining the doors so I can shut it down in the case of a biological attack. attack. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, no, no, I'm saying, like, so, like, take a guy like me, right? Because mm-hmm. I grew up, like, on the cusp of this. I don't know if I want a guy like you. Probably not. But I grew up on the cusp of this. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, when I was, let's say, uh, 11, 12, mm-hmm. so, like, you call your friend mm-hmm. to tell them to sign on to America Online so that you can talk to them by instant message. Right. And your parents would be like, but you were just talking to him on the phone. <laughs> Why but are we you... could do it on instant message. Exactly. Right. So, and then it was dial up, remember that? That thing, right? Yeah, I mean, I grew Um, up in Virginia where it was like, why are you playing Mike Tyson's punch out on Nintendo when you could just hit each other? Right. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, but I was saying, so so I grew up where I I know all this stuff, but you know what I do for a living. A lot of it is, a lot of it is uh, internet and tech based, Mm -hmm. but I don't need it to get by. So like the first time I drive somewhere, I'll punch the address into Waze. But I pay attention while I'm driving. And the second time I go there, I won't turn on Waze so that mm-hmm. I'll learn it mm-hmm. on my own. Yeah. Right? And then like this, you know, well, how many people do that? None. Really? Just weirdos like me. I'm saying one out of a couple of whatever. Most people just you use Waze. Why wouldn't I use Waze? It gives me the traffic too. You don't realize that you're losing the ability to navigate without it. Right. Because it just doesn't really cross your mind that there's such a thing as navigating without Waze. So if you're in Rebzakhar ibn Akulah's shoes, you're not sitting there with a religious argument. No, God would never burn the temple. This is his home. You're sitting there saying, like, this is the this is the way of the universe. By the way, if you go back one temple <laughs> out of, oh, out I, of the two. I think, I think, though, that in that section of Gitan, where, mm-hmm. uh, where we have that, that story, or that not just that story, right? there's a whole series of stories, but we have that sugiya about the assumptions that he's making. About how the temple will have to stand. No, we can't do that. You know, lest the, he gets caught up in these little details, assuming the entire time that the temple will obviously be there. But that's what but, I'm pointing out. Yeah. He's not assuming the temple will obviously be there on a religious argument. He's assuming the temple will be there as a human, because this is the world that he lives in. And he, sim- by the way, the other story. Yes, I agree. Wait, and no, then no, the I other just, stories. D- just that to are say there. the same point yeah. from, the, from a slightly different perspective. Like, I don't think that the Gemara is presenting him as, um, like, a fool or a fall guy or, like, oh, what an idiot this guy was. Like, no. It's like... We still refer to him as Rebbe. We still refer to him as Rebbe because he was really holding on a very high level. And the whole thing is terrifying because everybody recognizes that this is us. What do you mean? When you read that Gemara... And you hear each of his questions like, oh, that's a pretty good question. No, that's... Like, wait, like you, wait, wait, wait. You identify with them. But that's precisely... Right. And then you're, you're brought no, to no, the no, realization no. Wait, wait, wait. how no, horrific no. it is. That's my... Wait, but that's what I'm driving at. Because most people do not identify with him. Most people take him as this two-dimensional, uh, you know, cutout. Okay, but most people are stupid. Fine. But I'm just saying. But this, again, going... Most people don't know how to read. What do you want? That's not true anymore, but... But uh, uh, not the mechanics part. No, no, I know. But I'm. But by the way, even the other stories. So the one with uh, what was her name? 
Aceus, uh, oh man, the one that like never stepped foot outside. Yeah, I, I forgot. Oh, I forgot her name. Killing me now. But, like that's the same story. She cannot conceive of a universe where these things are not readily available. Right. 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 So, the, so and that one's very contemporary. That's literally everybody there. Like, what do you mean they don't have the yellow? <laughs> the they yellow don't have label. the bread that I like. Well, okay, so go for go for the second tier bread. Right. They don't have that either. But it's more so than go that. for the because yeah. the guy couldn't like. It's not like they were running out of it as he went back and forth. <laughs> you have to understand. By the time she sends him out, it's not like he gets to the store and all the shelves except one are full. <laughs> he comes back to tell her that shelf is empty. The whole store oh. is empty. He has to just get to her. He can't tell her in one shot, nothing's there. Oh, okay. That's an interesting read of it. So he goes out and comes back and goes, they don't have that either. Uh, try for this thing. <laughs> well, he's, he's just walking around the block. Right? Uh-huh. He's coming back. They don't have this either. He's trying to pad it for her. Because there's no other way she'll accept it. Uh-huh. Yeah. It, it, it would be too traumatic he comes, No, it's more than that. She just simply cannot believe it. So he comes back, right? And she's like, uh, go get bread. He comes back and goes, not only there's no bread, there's no rotten onions either. There is zero. She mm-hmm. would just smack him with a stick. You're lying to me, you lazy son of a nothing. Get out there uh-huh. and do what I told you. Mm-hmm. But, like, what Because it's not, it's not, it's inconceivable. It's unfathomable that, that this is actually the way things are. But, I like that read of it. But humans are like that. Who can conceive? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Look, put it that. How many people can conceive of a world without the United States of America? In its current form. How many Israelis do you know that can conceive a world without Israel in its current form? Yeah, very difficult. So that's what I'm saying. It's very easy to, like, read this, you know, read this Gemara and just be like, eh, <laughs> you know, what an idiot. You are that idiot. We are that idiot. You don't think people identify with that? No. The Gemara does not present him as the hero of the story. It presents him as the moron. It's literally the last line. But but he is the... Because of this man, the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed. And we lost this and this and this. But as the protagonist of that episode, you he, don't think people identify with him? You he's don't not think... the protagonist. You're forgetting how the story's told. He's a minor character that shows up at the end that until you get to the last line, you don't realize that the whole story's about him. It starts with the story of Kamsun by Kamsun. I know that, Svi. I'm saying, so what, why are you calling him the protagonist? He's not. You but, and I see him as the protagonist, no, but, but no one once, else would. Once you come to that episode in the story, mm-hmm. at that point he becomes the, the central character of that dialogue. He's the protagonist of that scene. No, he's the antagonist. He's going against the Rabbanon. Which is always the antagonist in the Gemara. Hey. Listen, there's a Rabbanan, and there's the... How do you say his name again? There's Zechariah ibn Akulis. Thank you. Like, who emerges as the the figure whom you can picture? Oh, Rabbanan. I, I identify with the crowd as opposed to the guy who is saying this and leading the discussion? Yeah. Whatever. I don't know. I Like, I, I understand if people, you know, demonize him or uh, or in some knee-jerk reaction or defensive reaction, refuse to identify themselves with the, the people making stupid assumptions. But the whole point seems to be, yeah, we all make stupid assumptions. And the whole point of Rabbi Yochanan there 
about an Ashrei Adam Mifachid Tamid. Happiest no, but that's what I'm who, driving at. They're not stupid. They're no not limits. stupid assumptions. You don't think the assumptions are stupid? It's pretending that having a need to breathe is stupid. No, it's pretending that your next breath is guaranteed. That is stupid. Your next breath is not guaranteed. And you shouldn't assume it. Functionally, what does that mean? Do you need to change something in how you breathe? No. But the way you relate to your breathing so does going need back to change. To where this started from, you are suggesting essentially that everybody in the world always live in cognizance that one day the internet will just disappear and you better be prepared for that eventuality. Even though that will take you away from perhaps investing yourself into the world that has the internet, which would be how you got ahead, got a no. living, got a job. No, 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 no. There's a difference there. There are two separate questions. One question is. Can I invest in things and build things? And the other question is... Can I invest in their polar opposites with the same limited finite resources of my time, energy, and interest? What do you mean they're polar opposites? Either I invest in a world that has the internet, and I push to learn it, master it, get ahead. No, no. Listen, you're thinking about this as an investor. You're saying, should I short the internet? Or should I invest no, in the internet? That, well, yes. What world are you trying to live in? We actually see this in a number of places in how we relate to Galut. Wait, 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 wait. Don't don't drive away from that. I'm not. I'm not. I'm opening up a thought. And if you will let me well, complete the thought. You're devartorizing something. No, I'm not going to devartorize it, but I speak in paragraphs. And if you keep cutting me off, you'll never hear it. <laughs> it is possible to invest in the opportunities that present themselves. And at the same time, to not take it for granted. I, I know you have this thing with not taking it for granted, but that's not necessarily what's being discussed. You get one life thought. You get one life. Mm-hmm. You get one chance to do something with it that involves... No, no, yes. no. Okay, I, fine. You no. get 500 chances to do something with it. It's not the point. No, you have one no, life. I'm not talking about reincarnation or something weird like that. You have one life. You're, you're alive You don't today, do something here. with your life. Oh, stop. You know what I'm trying to say. You have one life. You're saying you have finite resources. How are you going to spend There's them? a world around you. I reject you. that whole way of looking at There's it. There's a world around you. Mm. Are you going to live in it or not? I, I don't understand what this choice is supposed to be. You want to say, are you going to... You're looking at this as like, are you going to be... Um, are you going to go to a school for computer programming? Are you going to live in a world where you order your groceries to your door and uh, hire someone for $5? Or are you going to be a logo? weird mountain man prepper who isolates himself from the world? And lives a it's a false dichotomy. Because... Because you can invest in the possibilities that are there mm-hmm. without taking them for granted. What does that mean? What does that change? Good, so we're not going to take I for already granted. Said. I already we're not going to take for granted the internet will always be there. Now, are you going to school? Are you getting a degree? Are you going to go get a job? Are you going to live your life? Are you going to order groceries on Tuesday? Rabbi Yochanan in that sugya doesn't say, go live in the mountains and have nothing to do with society. What he says is tamid. He quotes that Pasuk Wonderful. Now go translate ha- this is my point. So it's flirt- very nice to say Who flourishes the guy whose fear knows no end. Who mm-hmm. will not assume anything. 
That's a wonderful idea. Now go translate it to reality. Well, it's very good to keep look, saying Tzvi, we should. Yes, you are not a bad example of this yourself. You work for a high tech company. You're you can say I don't depend on the internet. Fine, you don't. You know, when it comes to you know finding your way to some location, maybe, mm-hmm. but your parnasa depends on the internet essentially, mm-hmm. and lots of other things do too. But are you? Do you meditate on the possibility of the internet falling at any moment? And realize how dependent everything is, and have a sense of how interlinked things are, and how everything could come crashing down in an instant, and not take any of that for granted. You are the embodiment of that. No, but that's my point. I can I can spit nice sound bites at you about it. I can raise the idea on a podcast. About I don't how, think it's just. Isn't it crazy that the whole internet might one day disappear and nobody's really aware of it? But it's not just. But sound if it bites. happened, it's guess not what? just sound bites. I die too. Because okay. I'm not actually prepared for it. Okay, I'm just so, aware I'm unprepared So you die. So what? But the point is that not everybody lives that way. Not everybody has that awareness of how dependent things are. And your what, awareness What does that, of that awareness actually change? It changes your whole experience of the world. And you know this. What's that book you recommended to me? The one whose date I always get wrong. About the collapse of uh, the Bronze Age collapse. 1177 BC. Thank you. That book meant something to you. That book meant something to me too. Mm-hmm. Right? And what it means is n- not just, oh, well, things collapsed at the Bronze Age and now they could collapse again. It's not a logistical chiddish. It's not a logistical like, oh, we better become preppers. We aren't going to do that. But what it changes is your whole sense of the world you live in. And then what? Why is that the question? Listen, this is already a big thing. To experience the world as, okay, I'm clicking this, and I get this, and blah, 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 and like, a selfie. Why is your stereotype of the internet user a 17-year-old girl? (laughs) (laughs) Because I have a precocious, uh, almost 12-year-old. Duck lips. No, it drives drives me nuts, the the level of presumption. But like, Mm. okay, she's young. Like, what do you want? It takes some hardship to to not be so presumptuous. There's a presumptuous that comes along with, well, even being an infant. Like, well, I better nurse now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Why is your infant Give a seventy-year-old? <laughs> <laughs> Get off my lawn. Yeah. Anyway, no, but but wait, wait, because I think that's a, a, a quite important question, and it's it's related, in my opinion, anyway. To the cognitive dissonance that seems to be baked into the time period. Why does this matter? It's very ecclesiastical. It's very Kohelis-like. At the end of the day, you might have the most brilliant, wonderful depth of experience with all these possible uh, uh, outcomes that you're aware of and no one else has even thought of. And when they happen, they will kill you the same way they'll kill them. And you will be no different than the guy next door who's going to starve because, you know, he can't eat without Uber, whereas you know how to cook, you're just not getting your hands on any food, so it doesn't make any of a difference. <laughs> what? So what practical difference? And you take the, the Kohelas level, the view from 60,000 feet. But that, that's it a didn't mis- matter! Dude, that's a misreading of Kohelet. It's not at all. No, it totally is. The point, like, <laughs> the starting point is everybody dies. Okay? Not quite a starting point, but okay. Mm. And now what? 
Right. So what can make a difference? What can make but a difference is not that depth of I'm going to live in this Wait, corporeal form his forever. His answer is not depth of perception. To a great extent it is. No, it's the thing that bothers him the most. He literally says the fool and the wise man have the same end. He says more than that about I, the differences oh, well, between I'm them. not exactly summing up the entire book in one quote. I understand, but, <laughs> but no, but look, look at the psukim that come Our after that. Our review of... <laughs> no, but seriously, look, look at the look at what comes after that. He goes on to talk about the differences between the fool and the wise man. Yeah. He says the wise man at least has eyes in his head. He can at least have some awareness of where he is and what's going on. Yeah, but it's all framed with the beginning. He's not answering his original thing. He's heightening it. As well he should. Because he's talking about this space which you inhabit. Mm. And it doesn't really wind up making a difference whether you're a fool or a wise man. Not on the level of do you die or not. Not on the level of are you rich or not. Wait, not wait, on wait, the wait. level of what? Because, again, you keep coming back to death, but it's not what he talks about, because there's also the whole nothing new under the sun bit. Right. Your heightened awareness isn't actually anything in itself, either. Which is why, like, the end only, of the... Only if you're judging heightened awareness from the outside. If your heightened awareness is supposed to be, like, oh, I have the new technology that's going to disrupt Silicon Valley, like... That is not heightened awareness. Silicon Valley is in between a woman's newly reconstructed breast. I just thought of that line and I'm totally keeping it. Is silicon spelled with an A? No, it's just spelled without an E at the end. <laughs> silicon. Oh, <is> cones? <laughs> you said Silicon Valley and that's what I thought of. And I stand by it. Tree <laughs> <laughs> will stand by his... Anyway, um... Yeah. Oh, I don't need implants, man. I'm fat enough already. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> listen, that kind of Kiddush, that kind of new thing, those new things that mm -hmm. grab people's attention, those are not... No, he's talking about Kiddush in the about. sense of being a partner in Bria. Mechadesh b'chol yom tuva masabereshes is the level of Kiddush where he says it. Ain't davar chadesh tachas ha-shamesh. Tachas ha-shamesh? Does that mean anything to you? Are you suggesting that... He's mimaid with those I words. know he's mimaid, but are you suggesting that your awareness is what's on top of the sun? I'm suggesting that he's saying that there's no chiddush, there, there's nothing new under the sun, hmm. so there can be something new over the sun. Now, but what are we talking he... about under the sun, uh... under the sun? Okay, so then you can... <laughs> Rashi has his approach to it. Fine, but I don't think anybody's, the, at least in my memory... Nobody's suggesting that the answer lies in be a wise man, not a fool. That's exactly what Rashi says. No. Rashi said... Oh, whatever. Tell me, yeah. Rashi I'll look it up later. <laughs> <laughs> Rashi makes it all about all this worldly pursuit is have a level aim. It's all mm -hmm. vanity. So what really matters is on a very simplistic reading of Rashi, it's your involvement in Torah. Ah, thank you, because now we're moving to my favorite man in the world. Okay. Wisdom and Torah are not the same. I don't need to do anything with God to figure out that the internet might turn off one day. Okay. And I can walk, like I said, and I can walk around and give great sound bites, and it doesn't mind make a difference. That has nothing to do with Torah. 
By the way, who's my favorite man, and why am I driving at it? Because it's so much definitive as yeah, part of the please. year. Who's my favorite man? Digital. Who's the man? No, who's the man that's <laughs> going to bring back what I want most? Bill? Yes. <laughs> okay, here we go. Wait, for all our listeners, I'm referring to Valpaar. I am not referring to the Midianite women <laughs> or donkeys. <laughs> Don't get any ideas. Mm. Anyway. Oh. The point is, no, I'm, but this is essentially... We were talking before about how we haven't talked about sex enough on the podcast, and Svi keeps veering in that yeah, direction. Yeah, yeah, blame Svi. Everybody blames Svi. But look, this is, this is, but this is essentially why we drill Billum out, right? This is the whole thing. The minute his Navua disappears, he's just a nobody. Ah, he's one of the most brilliant people who ever lived. Okay. This is a man who's mechaber safer in Torah, and yet doesn't have a share in Torah. Right. So, he's a very wise man. I don't what, think anybody's going to take that away from him. What you're saying is that, as a wise man, his wisdom is integrated into Torah, even if he has no portion in Torah. No. So the point is that, and we talk about this all the time in connection with Hanukkah, in connection with the, the menorah, and the, the, the seven fundamental wisdoms, that all these things become parts or aspects of Torah. They all find some ultimate integration if somebody goes and integrates them. Ah, hang on. It sounds like you, you have some grand plan for where this is going. No, I'm saying that that's the problem. What? Because most people have no idea where anything is going. They have no idea where they're going. No, I'm talking about the discussion. I feel like you're no. trying to drive at something. I, I'm, I've been circling around the same point the whole time, but I feel like I... Yeah, I'm, because you, you, you don't come to see the light of my points. No, because I don't agree with them. It's totally different. No, I'm kidding. What don't you agree? I'm with? kidding. No, oh but seriously, God. I'm I'm explaining. No, but instead of just instead of just trying to push through whatever it is you're thinking about, like tell me what have I said that you actually disagree with? No, that's that my you aren't point. just you know I don't you don't dis- just want to be ordinary and grouchy about. With, oh, first of all, <laughs> that's my that's my fun. But I, no. I know, I know. I'm kidding. Fine. Stop. I don't I don't disagree with anything. What I'm saying is to put this in pithy terms. I think we've said this before actually in, in, in different episodes. When the Gemara brings a proof to something, it says, come listen. Tashma. When the Zohar brings a proof to something, it says, Tachaze. Really come see. Proof. Right. Okay. Wait. So my favorite thing I love to point out, we're going in full tangent mode again. Everybody strap on your helmets. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have this weird thing. We go to shul Friday night. Mm-hmm. They finish Kabbalah, Kabbalah Shabbat. Finish mm-hmm. Kabbalah Shabbos. Mm-hmm. And then everybody... Either Davin's Mishnayis, which is Nusach Ashkenaz. <laughs> Davin's Mishnayis. Okay. Or they Davin a piece of the Zohar, which is Nusach Svart. And what's amazing is, mm-hmm. why do they do that? Mm-hmm. Because it's printed in the prayer book. Why is it printed in the prayer book? Because it used to be everybody waited to Davin Bizman. Right. So there was like 30 minutes. So if you're going to sit in shul and you have 30 minutes, what should you do? You should learn something which is related to the time period that you're sitting in. So at home, the women were lighting candles, right? Mm-hmm. So the Ashkenazim who are more, uh, uh, let's call it nigla-minded, to not annoy too many people, so they would read the Mishnahis. had to do with what do we light Shabbos candles with. The Nusach Sfard in the Chassidish world, which was more mystical-oriented, so they would read about what goes on in the heavens at this point in time when Shabbos coming into the earth. Okay, now pop What happens quiz. today? Pop quiz. Yeah. Okay, Nusach Sfard is this Ashkenazi thing based on Nusach Sfaradi. What do Sfaradim do at that time? Do they do a Mishnayot or Zohar or something else? They 
they don't do anything. At least the Sparty Shuls that I've been in, they do Shira Shiran beforehand. Right. And that takes them up pretty much to this month. I've never seen anybody take a break. So the Benish Chai. Who's Iraqi. Who's Iraqi, right. And was really posic for that whole region, pretty right. much. He has people doing Mishnayot. Right. Which doesn't seem to be a departure from previous things. And he says, this is what I love about his Pesachir, that if it's already after the Zman for Hadlaka, don't do it. Right, because there's because, no point. Because he sees it as you are actually reviewing the Halachot, the laws which are relevant for, for what you're that about time. to do. Right. But if it's not, if it's not so relevant, wait, so then that, don't. Wait, so now you you just took the wind out of the sails here. But the whole the, my Joe, why I say they daven it is because they just read it because right. it's in the prayer book. Right. But it has nothing to do with anything. So so but a you lot know of that, that daven is cognate with divine. I did not know that. Yeah, Marty always jokes about this. I didn't know that. Right, this is like reoccurring marty theme in the podcast yeah right he's always he always says i have to go divine that's actually beautiful it is beautiful yeah i like yeah. that i have to steal it it actually it resonates um, nicely with lehit palel right i'm going to go palel myself right <laughs> um what's so, so coming back so. from the tangent here yeah. so so everybody just reads this stuff but people are familiar with it anyway mm-hmm. so if you look at the text in the Nusach Sfard, mm-hmm. that piece of the Zohar. So it's one of the most ridiculous things, at least on, on the surface, that, that you would ever hear because it doesn't make any sense. Not in the sense of it's mystical, so it doesn't make sense. I mean, it basically goes, so what is the secret of Shabbos? This is the secret of Shabbos. It is this, 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 and this. And you go, well, then how is it a secret? I mean, right. it's printed in every prayer book on right. the planet. Mm-hmm. But the point is, when it comes to things like this, it's not... It's not, linear, that, right, it's, it's not linear logic. It's something that you have to see, which is why it will say, Tachaze. you have to see this. If you don't see it, I can tell it to you, and it's not going to make an iota of a difference. Mm-hmm. As opposed to linear logic, or if you hear the next steps, oh, all right, it's, you know, it's straightforward, as they say, because it is. It's linear. So my point is, when it, when it comes to what we're talking about, the added benefits, it's not that I disagree with you. I, I actually, I agree with you. But we, we have a tendency on this podcast to like kind of paint these pictures, but leave them in the objective. They're very deep and they're very beautiful. And people like it. I mean, you're listening, right? Um, <laughs> well. <laughs> or maybe no one is, and in which case. <laughs> but when, when you kind of like try drilling into it from the the personal there's like well hold on a second actually this is a a great way to to, to put it my brother sent me a speech there's an organization called amudim okay you may have heard of them and amudim is very active in the teens at risk sphere in the orthodox jewish world okay uh drug use promiscuity and uh you know kids on the street that old that old jazz my old gilgal line of work Mm. and uh they had not wearing a kippah it could lead to mixed dancing (laughs) Well, actually, the problem, and this is where I'm driving at, so they had this uh, meeting, I don't know, was it dinner? I don't know what it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, they asked Y.Y. Jacobson to speak. Y.Y. Jacobson's amazing. He's wonderful. Uh, anybody I'm saying is wonderful should at least give you pause, because how often do I say that about anybody? It's true. <laughs> so, so... Uh, Certainly not But, like, if you had to sum up his, <laughs> his speech in words he didn't use, mm-hmm. is essentially, he pointed out that in the religious world, we actually say that you should... You know, you were, you were just cracking a joke. You're not wearing a yarmulke might lead to mixed dancing. Their real problem is mixed dancing might lead to not wearing a yarmulke. Oh. And he's like, this is ridiculous. Good call. You, you know, see, but the way he, he presented it was brilliant. He talks about how, like, you know, the, the kids that are struggling are the ones with the most depth. Mm-hmm. And they can't 
handle hypocrisy. It's like I remember when I was young, right? We, we were we were kids. So like you know, your father would tell you to do something that he didn't do, and you're just like it was part of the game, you know. You just went along with it. Because in kids today, they just they can't do it. They can't do it. Mm. And and the more this happens, the more we just chase them away. And he's like, and and the reason for this is we've created a society which is amazingly closed and entirely, I'm paraphrasing, entirely self-referential so that what the neighbor thinks is more important than, like, your kid's future. Hmm. So he's like, you know, he's like, some parent came to me, he was struggling, he's like, why do you send them to such a school? It's not the right place for your kid. Yeah, but, but if we send them to that school, people would say, oh, he's in that school. So instead you murdered your child. Moron. <laughs> Right. So Rebbe told a story about this. There was a guy who came into shul collecting because his son needed a surgery for something. Right. The guy is like one of these frumped guys who has raised his child in mm-hmm. extreme isolation from the world. And yeah, okay, so he gave him some money for the surgery. But as he's giving him the money, he's thinking, you know, you want to do this surgery for your kid's leg or hand or whatever it is. But you were willing to sacrifice his mind. Not willing. You did. You did. Right. Yeah. Fine. But this. But okay. The man will argue. Oh, whatever. And like, listen. Some people come out of this stuff okay. I don't know. But <laughs> but but where where it breaks down. Well, you down, came out okay, right? Well, that depends who you ask. But 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 that exactly. You know. So so when the thing breaks down and you're staring at the results of it breaking down and your response is to double down on the things that broke it in the first place. Mm-hmm. Right. Look, everybody. But this is my point. Everyone in the room knew this. Why would Jacobson didn't say anything that anyone else could have parroted? Hmm. Everyone's been talking about this since 1993, when the infamous Jewish Observer article came out. I don't know about this. I know. <laughs> the Jewish Observer. It came out in honor of my bar mitzvah, apparently. Oh yeah, yeah. That was definitely what it was. The whole kids on the street, the off the derech phenomena, was uh, is was that, is that when the word acknowledged? Was there? Uh, no, it existed beforehand, but but it was acknowledged as a phenomenon. Mm. Sixteen years ago, twenty six years ago, excuse me. Yeah, <laughs> twenty six years ago. That's a that's a long time. So we're not. No one in that room can't give the same dumb, stupid speech. Mm. So like we can both sit here. I mean, everybody is aware of the the causes as he sees them. Yes. But he's also giving a positive appraisal. He's saying, listen, these kids are the canaries in the coal mine. And everyone, especially if it's your kid, when you're talking to someone that you feel, you'll say the same thing. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Okay. I don't everyone know Everyone knows this. Everyone knows these things. Okay. Great. And so it's very easy to be that little wise ass that's like, ah, but ah, you're not actually saying anything. You're not really addressing why this is happening. Mm-hmm. The same way that, like, in, you know, in the, in, the, in the story that you just mentioned a second ago, Rebbe's not actually addressing why this is happening, and he still gave the guy the money. Of course. You don't want to do something for this kid's leg? If you feel that his life's a waste, should you? If you really want to force the father to do something? But the kid's whole life has to be a waste now? I don't know. You Maybe just said he sacrificed make... his mind. The father is certainly <laughs> willing to do it. It doesn't mean that the kid won't fight for himself. Okay, so you're relying. This is the old famous story of I forgot which guy it was, and it bothers me because he deserves the credit, where they wanted to start a school for kids with learning disabilities, mm-hmm. start a yeshiva. So they had this whole brilliant idea. They're gonna, it, It's going to be a school 
within schools. In order to avoid the stigma of you're in the learning disabled school, we're going to have you as another class in a regular yeshiva. That's how my mom taught it in the well, hold on American a second. public schools. So they go to get this blessing and endorsement from this rabbi. And he says, I'm going to give you the endorsement, but you have to teach these kids hashkafa. And they went, but you're ruining it because now we're going to be doing things differently for them. So why are you doing this? Why are you saying this? Why are you tying our hands? And he says, well, you have to understand the entire yeshiva Wait, world. He's saying that the other kids aren't learning hashkafa, but, but these, your kids have to learn exactly. hashkafa dafka. Correct. And, and not the other stuff? No, in addition. Okay, in addition. But you're still marking them as different. They have classes that the other kids don't have. Oh, but they have more. So, it doesn't matter. Oh, okay. Trust me. Believe me, it's not seen as more. Okay. Um, so, he's so like, why are you doing this? And he says, you have to understand, the entire yeshiva system is built on an assumption. And they said, okay, what's the assumption? He says, the assumption is the kid's going to be sitting in base madrash one day. 25 years old. Uh, 22 years old. And he's going to be learning the Slavus. Um, uh, you know, the sugya and whatever, getting, okay. whatever. And he's going to get into a whole fight with his Kavrusa. And they're going to say, no, let's see what the Rambam says. He's going to go to the shelf. He's going to take the Rambam off the shelf. He's going to come back, sit down and realize he took the wrong Rambam off the shelf. He didn't take off Hilchaz Nashim. He took off Hilchaz Mada. He's going to be lazy and bored. So he's going to open up Hilchaz Mada and he's going to read it. So we can rely that these kids will eventually somehow learn Hilchaz Mada. But your kids are never going to learn how to read because they're learning disabled. So you better teach it to them. What? Mm-hmm. How does that... I... The worst part is, he's 100% right. Obviously, not in the exact uh, scenario that he laid out. It was humorous meant to prove a point. But the yeshiva system is built on this idea that you're going to have the skills and ability to go learn all this stuff on your own. And if you are raising, if you are starting an educational program for kids who will never have the textual skills, then you better give them the stuff that they're going to miss. Ah, okay. I see. All right. That's a crazy story to tell. In order like I to said, it was a humorous way of <laughs> illustrating a point. I think he's fun. I, I thought it was funny. I think he's right. So what I'm saying is, <laughs> I do. I guess I just don't get yeshiva humor. <laughs> maybe. Or maybe you don't get yeshiva kids. But but either way, because they really are. That That's really what basically happens. But that's the thing with humor. Um, like, I mean, if you aren't in that space, it's very hard to... You don't it. get what yeah. it's... Right. Like, well, what, what's the setup? What's the punchline? But, but so, so my point is, anybody can say this stuff. It's the thing I hate the most about any... Wait, so do you have a problem with what... What's his name? Jacobson? Jack Jacobson? Well, why would Jacobson say no? No, I think it was a brilliant speech. I think he's right. And for him, the person who really does see this stuff and whatever, yes, I, I, it's not hypocritical for him to get up or say it or anything like that. I just think that it's silly because everyone knows that. And it's not one of these cases where he does sees it, it and it they don't. It, does it make a difference to say it in public? Maybe, but even then, so then, like, but that's not even it. Then what you should be attacking is the fact that, that, that this is something that's, oh my gosh, he said it in public. Not, oh my gosh, this is the way things are. We all know this is the way things are. He was even mugging for it. He was like, every time he turns like the women, be like, right? And they'd be like, yeah. Uh -huh. like, so, like, what are you really saying? My point is, there are a lot of things which are more holistic, if you will. More come and see as opposed to come and hear. And they're presented as come and hear. Because everyone knows them already. And, uh -huh. and, and we are guilty of that in, 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 in our podcasts as much as anyone else. And so I'm not disagreeing with you. I just yeah, I, I I really want to drive I'm home. Not, I'm not so I'm sure. saying, I really want to drive the objective home. objective picture versus... 
the if, subjective part of it. Like, like what I'll, are we missing here? I'll, so I'll put it like this. I, I, uh, you're saying we've talked Torah, but not Avoida. No. <laughs> well, maybe, but no. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that it's very easy to like zoom in on the, okay. The lesson is you should always be, uh, you should never take anything for granted. But if that doesn't actually do anything, because what you're really saying is, no, what you have to do is live your life in a way where everything integrates, where it becomes Torah. That has nothing to do with anything about taking anything for granted or not. That has to do with an entire lifestyle. So, like, say what you mean, mean what you say. To someone who's stuck in the wilderness, so to speak. I, I, I'm not sure I understand. Like, if I have to give, like, a very fundamental formulation of what I'm talking about, then I'll say it one way. If I have to say implications for that, then I'll say something else, but then don't come at the two different utterances and say, ah, these are no, separate things. No, and no, 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 no. Like, I, I, I don't get what the critique is. Look, we, we started in talking about how there's this like bubble You experience. just want to call me a hypocrite. Fine, okay, I'm no, a hypocrite. Now help I'm, me get out of it. It's not what I'm saying. No, I'm serious. But I'm, I'm also, it's not what I'm saying at all. Okay, fine, but at least help me. So... Fine, not, that's not, not anymore. Ha! <laughs> you that ship sailed. Well, I'm saying we started off with identifying and exploring a phenomenon that the summer is this like bubble period, and we pointed out that that bubble period is a mirrored and b exacerbated by our calendar, right? And we kind of started exploring where it came from. We talked about things that were in the midbar. We talked about the way it played out in terms of the Beit HaMikdash. And then this actually all got kicked off where I pointed out, like, sure, if you were alive in the time of the Beit HaMikdash Sheni, would Tisha B'Av mean anything to you? Certainly not the way it does today. Things develop over time. Right. right. Yeah. And then from there, we kind of started exploring, well, okay, if this is the way things develop over time, so what are they and what do they mean and why is it that people kind of don't interact with them? You, you, you shared your experience where you don't see this as a space. You don't experience this time period as a space as opposed to others. I, I'm, I said, not, I'm I don't not even think, sure what this space is supposed to be. I'm saying. Yeah. I'm saying. I don't think anybody experiences it as space. I don't think anybody knows what it is. I think that actually... Maybe, maybe that's the direction we're heading in, that we need to experience it as a space. No, I'm, I'm actually like, pointing out the opposite. Maybe it's maybe the, that's, absence, that's it's the absence of the space asked. that forces you to realize that something's missing. But... No, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, if I, if I don't experience this as a space... No. This is a riot. The other way around. Is it proof that... Yeah, that something is, is that, horribly that I'm, off. I'm clearly missing something. Fine. but So what I'm driving at, though, is is the more somebody begins to try exploring those things. So, okay, so, so what does any of this mean anyway? Mm -hmm. The more you wind up in this very ridiculous Sisyphean kind of experience. Oh, certainly a story of my life. I can't really talk for anyone else. I mean, you'd say those explorations don't lead anywhere. No, they, they to lead to exactly what we were saying a few moments ago, which is you have a greater understanding of life. You have a depth of perception in terms of reality, the universe, or both, if they're different, then I don't think they are. Some people would argue. <laughs> well, listen, I mean, through, through years of work and consideration and learning and meditation and i have a different relationship now to chodesh elul to mm -hmm. the month of elul the month before rosh hashanah right than i did 16 years ago or i did 17 years ago those are critical dates for me okay right 
16 years ago is when I came to Yeshiva, right? And I found out Elul is a thing. Right. <laughs> Elul! <laughs> Rabbi Isai, Elul! Well, it wasn't that kind of Yeshiva. Yeah, but, no! Uh, <laughs> right. That, that was basically the first thing that I learned, that my Rebbeim didn't exactly make fun of that perspective, but they were, I realized after the fact that they were in dialogue with that approach to Elul, and they were trying to stake out a different approach, which is also not correct, probably, but okay, you know, right. but at least a step in a step in some direction, and that that crazy Haredi approach there was a step in some direction too. Like, okay, these things take time to develop, fine, but I don't feel that that was fruitless. I mean, to look at that and say, "Ein chadash tachat there's nothing new under the sun. That doesn't seem to be relevant to bring that pasuk. That doesn't seem to be the the insightful comment to make. No, that's people's experience of it. That I did all this learning and it amounts to nothing. Yeah, really. That it, because like it didn't move me. It didn't change. Well, move me. Yes, it was very emotionally uplifting for those right, five minutes. But my practical day to day, regular life. But it life, didn't touch me. It didn't. Wait, change wait, wait. Me. So hold on. So to, to kind of go bring all this back you got to stop doing that because it sounds like you're about to wrap up and then we want no, to no, no, no. for another hour i just we well listen we, we tend to meander off in tangents but the thing that that really kicked off this whole exploration was my pointing out that everybody likes to rag on Zachary ben of coolest but you're kind of stuck being Zachary ben of coolest whether you want to or not and my point is yes that's exactly the point we all need to realize how we are him and then maybe if we realize no that we can out. move forward somehow. Nah, you, that word somehow is worth a bazillion dollars. Somehow is essentially, I don't know, I hope. That's, it's actually a deep thing because there's not a mechanical method forward. Whatever the mechanics were up until this point, they're not going to be the mechanism that gets us forward from this point because they can't be. Look, because I've, we'll I've just be had a what we already did. more than decades at this point, old, uh, almost two decades old argument with certain siblings and many friends about how... You got your sister to do tshuva? I don't know about that. But, She's uh, no longer Haredi. <laughs> that's what you think. Or that's what she thinks. But people will lose themselves in the experiential because that's the only thing that they feel can be real. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's the same... Uh, it, it's, it's the... I tried to get Tfi to do this podcast high. But man, evolution's about teeth. (laughs) It is in a way. Um, No, so so you know they lose themselves in the experiential, right? Because because that's all they have. You and I know. I don't. I don't want to like point fingers, but I'm sure you can. You you know, there are people that stop. He's blaming me. I'm not. Stop it. (laughs) There are people that lose themselves in these contained self-referential cycles of experientially emotionally intense modes of living because that's that becomes their avoda it's how they define avoda for that matter and 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 they do that because of what you just said when you cut to the chase of why the hell are you living like this you realize you're insane you live inside the confines of your own skull so if I have to live in the confines of my old skull, no, that's skull, their I whole thing. Make it nice. The way out of my skull is through these experiences, which I commune with something outside of me, and blah 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 blah. What on earth makes you think it's communing with Again, something outside of yourself? Fine. 
No, no, I'm just I'm trying to connect the dots. I'm not sure what you're saying. No, so I, the the point is what the the exact answer. This kind of well, it's to realize that nothing is working, and that the more you do go around in this iterative cycle, the, you know, you have a chance of getting out of it. And how do you get out of it? We don't know. So that's what these people are doing too. Well, You're just given... pretending that the corkscrew is meant to go outwards, and these people are essentially saying the corkscrew is meant to go inwards. No, I don't think it's like that. And I'm saying there shouldn't saying... be a corkscrew. <laughs> that's all. I, I'm saying that we have issues. They need to be addressed. Even if you address them one time, you're going to have to address them again. These things are cyclical. Let's start at the beginning. We have issues. They need to be addressed. How? Again, the mechanism for how to address them is not going to be the same thing at any given time. This is a non-mechanical thing. You can't just prescribe some methodology like, okay, the way to address the fundamental breakdowns of why we made uh, the golden calf and why the spies slandered uh, the land of Israel and why we got to the destruction of the first temple and the second temple and uh, all the idolatry along the way and all the ridiculousness thereafter. The answer is not everybody just needed to do some psychodramatic therapy and then everything would have been okay. Like maybe psychodrama is going to be the thing that unlocks something for one particular person at one particular time. There's not going to be a cure-all for everything at every time. And when people make as if there can be a mechanical response, that is part of the breakdown. Because that means you are not responding to anything. You are just trying to stick things in a box again. And I'm going to control things. There's, It's the same kind of religious paradigm. The same kind of idolatrous paradigm. And the paradigm. opposite is? The opposite is opening up your eyes as wide as you can looking at things, trying to make your heart come alive instead of just... That's precisely what these wackadoodles are doing. They're making their heart come alive, man. They're going for emotional responses. And your definition of heart come alive is... It is not a merely emotional thing. It is about responding. Listen, if somebody scares me, my heart will speed up. That is a reaction. Right. Right? If... Somebody comes at me with a deep criticism of how I acted in some situation. My immediate knee-jerk reaction might be to defend myself. Mm-hmm. But if my heart comes alive in the parlance that I was speaking now, mm-hmm. then I'm not going to have that knee-jerk reaction. I'm actually going to take things to heart. I'm going to open my heart. And I'm going to try to give a real response to which what is, the problem is. Which is what? It might be that I didn't accept responsibility when I should have. It might be that I chalked things up to bad circumstances when I just needed to work harder. It might be that I I have a vendetta that I was willing to let work itself out passive aggressively when I shouldn't have done it. I mean, like it could be any number of things. I'm just drawing on instances from my own life right no, now. No, no, I understand. But these, <laughs> like, but these are know, all. These are all. The beginning of wisdom is knowing you're an asshole. But (laughs) (laughs) might be the end of it too. That's quite the way to put it. You're essentially describing a life which is just a bunch of attempts, false starts, and possibly you might find one that sticks. Oh well, look at the beginning of Genesis. Hold on a minute. 
Like, Wait. oh, they ate from the tree. Okay, like the more... new beginning. But okay, there's a flood. Well, Wonderful. okay, we'll try it again. Uh, Tower so of Babel. the more you look at that and the more you live that way, the more there is a profound sense of living in a bubble. Because yeah, none each of, of these things is going to wind up being real. Ah, but you're saying that everything is ultimately a bubble. That's how you wind up looking at your own life. If all of this Uh is possibly uh and probably not, and it could be, and I have no way of knowing, and you just get up and try again, and you make it to the end of your day, and you sit down, and you have your beer, and you go to sleep, and you do it again, and somehow, somewhere, out of all this, something might develop, but I don't know. Then all of this are just little bubbles where you might grow something, and even if something, and you develop, probably won't. Even if something develops, then you know, doesn't mean that that will everybody develop. dies and the sun explodes. Exactly, and we still no, no, don't see any way to no, break now, the. Now you're be, now you're taking what's beautifully sad music and turning it into whiny emo radio crap. Because I think that's what it is ultimately. <laughs> but it's not. You're saying that because things have been a bubble, they must be a bubble. No, I'm saying and that. I'm saying, well, if you go do find some contact re- with reality. And that and it will turn have... out to be a bubble, too, because eventually it will stop being Who in contact says? with reality. Who and says? We see there That's are... the life you're describing. We see there are real Your things. solution is to keep surfing through bubbles and sift through the sand and find a little nugget of whatever it is you're looking for and then follow that somewhere, and that might turn out to not go anywhere either. But that journey might actually lead something else that might... And eventually you might actually string something together, and there's no guarantee of that either. No, that's not what I'm saying. Okay. I'm saying that we can, to the best of our ability, identify real things Mm -hmm. and... Try to react, try to respond, try to interact doesn't work might work might not work don't know try again sift through something else you'll have your moment of havdallah and moment of understanding and over deeper perception is i think the words we used earlier and even if i don't come to that mm-hmm. look at the amazing world we're involved in look at the amazing way things have developed mm-hmm. and they've developed through the efforts of little schmucks like me doing that okay so as i said and even if there are bubbles that pop, somehow and the things come out of, of the bubbles. such a perception dawns upon you, you will be smashed down in awe. Dot, why, did, why, dot, does it have dot, to, why does it have to be about Dude, my Dude, you know what I'm experience? quoting. No. It's a Rambam. Which one? Quoted he talks in, about Yura. Can you quote And when the that? breath of... It's the beginning of Mato over there. He starts talking about Ava and he starts talking about Yura. Ah, but he's not talking about bubbles. No. Correct. But how do you come to these moments of no, realization? But, but I'm not talking about meditating on, the, on the, the, the music of the spheres. I'm talking about looking at how things have actually developed through the effort to perpetuate life, the effort to build society... The investment in Torah, the that you can see that there are real results. These things do build on each other. Are there losses? Yes. Are there bubbles? Yes. Like was Brisk brilliant when it started? Yeah. Did it pop that bubble? Yeah. Did good things come out of it? Actually, yeah. There's quite a lot of good stuff Great that came out of Brisk. Fine. So again, so when you are sitting on your own. Mm-hmm. And you're taking stock of your life, which is what tends to happen in little bubble times like the summer. 
and you look at your life as essentially the same thing. What that, Going back to where we started all this, that summertime sadness joke and the, the Kid Rock song with how it all just becomes a memory. That's how, but this is also, by the way, Kohelas. It says the same thing, right? Listen, if it's a mournful memory, then okay, maybe it's crap. No. It's like, oh, the glory days of the summer. But even like, so, no. But no, but it could actually integrate with your life. It could actually uh, take you forward. It could actually mean something. It could actually change how you interact with the world. It, it could. I, I, don't, I don't see why you're cynical about this. It's not a, no, that's my point. It's not a cynicism. You're describing what somebody can do from that realization. I'm talking about what it's like to have it. What I think... And this is a human thing. It's a universal thing. We talked in, in, in Hanukkah, mm-hmm. it's episode four, right? So we talked about how it's strange that across the whole world, everybody's talking about light at this point of year. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. a human thing. We trace it back to the Marie show, mm-hmm. right? At least in the Northern Hemisphere. Right. Yeah, well, who's in the Southern Hemisphere anyway? Racist. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I didn't even mean it like that. I just meant that if you the, the majority of the world's landmass is across the Northern Hemisphere. <laughs> well, whatever, excluding Antarctica. Terraist. Yes. <laughs> and there's a missing R there, folks, and it is an important one. Um, <laughs> uh, what's it called? No, no, so I'm saying that, that this time of year lends itself to those realizations. You talk about the music of the calendar, right? So why is L where it is? It's meant to follow a Tisha B'Av, but not in the sense of we've seen how this has all come to pieces and now we're going to fix our relationship. And then, and actually this is a wonderful way to really bring things full circle. And I mean it this time, not to come back from a tangent, but that's where this whole trace it back, the shattering of the Luchot and the Miraglim really lies. The, the period of time that these three weeks and then the summer around them as a whole is that part where people start sitting there and going, Holy crap, my life is just a bunch of bubbles. And then the only way out of that is to start trying to string them together. That's what I'm saying. I agree with you. I just hate it as this, oh, that's the answer, without like actually being like, holy shit, that's the problem. Oh my god, I should not have said that, sorry. Uh, without being like, oh my gosh, that's the problem. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of problems. You know that about me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, I, I really want to drive that home. That like, the, 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 in a weird way, the problem is the solution. We actually talk about this all the time, mm-hmm. and it's, it's the entirety of, of our, of our second episode, right? Mm-hmm. Which is exactly what we were describing by the way, in terms of these bubbles. Then maybe ep- something comes is that out. A good of that. episode. It's amazing. The episode's horrible, but what we talk about is brilliant. <laughs> it's just we talked about it badly, but it's such a, it, it, it's, 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 uh, um, oh, I fidget with things um it's it's uh what's the word um it's foundational mm-hmm. to like everything that we discussed this idea of seeing brilliant everything. idea mediocre no, like, conversation exactly <laughs> like seeing everything as an evolution and learning to understand that there there are dead ends and you never want to end up in a dead end and if you find yourself in a dead end you better get out of it mm-hmm. because it's about and this, it's, again we, we're pantomiming the same conversation now but instead of, and this just goes back to that objective, subjective thing we were talking about a second ago, I really want to drill into that subjective feeling of being adrift and lost and in a desert. And okay, then, so... yes, sure, when you feel that, you will understand the only way out is to start stringing these things together. And yes, sifting through these things and finding those opportunities. And maybe, and that maybe, and that somehow, I think the word you said was somehow, becomes the greatest thing of all time. That there's a possibility... In the first place, like, no, Paolo's is wrong. There is a, so to speak, there is a possibility to get out of this. 
right? The end of Kohelis, essentially. Everybody's like, what does he mean? Mm-hmm. No, that's the brilliance of it. There's a way out. Right. But I'm saying, like, you know, everybody skips to the end. Nobody reads Kohelis. I'm just saying, dude, let's read Kohelis. This is where we're sitting in time. This is pretty much what everybody's experience of that time is. Mm-hmm. Whatever ways it's playing out. Let's, like, actually do that. And then, okay, now we'll be like, okay, here's the way out. Okay, so what we're actually going to read at this time is <laughs> Eicha, Lamentations. Right. And that, that the really... the gorgeous of books. And it really sits in that moment of how. Right. That's literally what Eicha means. It doesn't translate as Lamentations but, into English. It translates by as the way, how. This is something it's that, that Jews how, like, talk how about. How on earth did we come to this? talk about taking things be? for granted. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, most people, lamentations means all is lost. To have a people mm-hmm. whose idea of lamentations is to ask how mm-hmm. is built on yeah. what we were just describing a moment ago. Yeah. No, ask how. And if you do that long enough, you might find out. Mm-hmm. And then you will, then you can get away from that. It's also pretty remarkable that we have these days. I mean, we have these periodic fast throughout the year which are all about except possibly Yom Kippur reassessing our relationship to the past and they're all connected to national tragedy mm. how, how many nations have days fixed on their calendar right for we are going to remember the national tragedy think about it and, and try to try not, to, yeah. try to reassess what the hell were we involved with why are we still involved with it such that we are still fasting and not in a perfect world? And how on earth do we move forward from this? Right. That, that's a pretty remarkable thing. It is. If you're sitting there and you're like, oh my gosh, yes, the summer's a bubble. And yes, this is all just it's a drudgery of it all. And like, take advantage of the calendar. Do something with it. Actually live that. Don't just like, this is where we started, right? Like, Avelut winds up being personal and then the three weeks wind up just being this like rule book that you just kind of watch go by mm. like, don't watch it go by right don't this is your chance right exactly i'm, I'm talking to myself as much as i'm talking to anybody because you yeah. know i'm watching it go by right now but i hope not this is a good conversation no no but like <laughs> believe me i'm going back to work on sunday and then it's all you know that that's really it i'm talking to myself as much as i'm talking to anybody else so if anybody wants to check out of this conversation now, that's a beautiful stopping point. But <laughs> but let, let me push a little bit further. Okay. Can we make that how more particular and more practical? What are major breakdowns in Klal Yisrael, in the, not just the people of Israel, but in the, the nature of what Israel is supposed to stand for? What are the big breakdowns today? I mean, we've touched on a lot of things. I don't think things, anybody agrees like, what it's supposed to stand for. I don't think anybody agrees on anything not, about anything I'm not at asking, all. I'm not asking for that. I'm saying as you see it, with your understanding No, that's my things, answer. Oh, that there's not agreement about things? That nobody knows what the hell they're doing, and everybody just talks in generalities and pretends that they're speaking on behalf of God, and everybody's just got their head up their ass. Ah, see, that people don't know what's going on actually gives me a little bit of hope. Oh, you mean that they can't ruin it if they don't know what they're talking about? Yeah, the the, the people who are talking out of their ass about, oh, this is what we we have to do. Like, nobody takes them seriously anymore. 
Yeah, that's but that's definitely a help. I, I think that, that, that that's an important development. <laughs> no, no, I'm being serious. Yeah, I, yeah. I think that's a great help. But you're asking me what I think is wrong. This is actually something that I feel is 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 mirrored in the world at large. We're we're at a point in time where absolutely nothing can be taken at face value. That everything is literally going to pieces. And depending who you ask, depends which direction it's falling and mm-hmm. what the pieces are. But right, everybody right. will agree that everything is bad, even though everything is better than it's ever been. Right. Right. And uh, <clears throat> there's no consensus about anything because nobody's talking the same language because nobody's living in the same reality. And then everybody says that the reality that they're living in is reality. And then we're supposed to draw any conclusions out of that. Well, everybody sees what happens when anyone tries. I don't think it's any different in terms of what you're asking. There's like a total breakdown and to put it kind of crassly in the, the, our ability to make meaning. Not to make it. Everybody okay, I mean, can make meaning. making meaning. But there's, <laughs> there's a... Um, there's a breakdown in anything being something that is translatable or relatable or just latable. Whatever. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. Whatever lading is. I'm being, I'm being sarcastic to make a point. But whatever, mm. whatever prefix you want to stick to that word, uh-huh. that's what's not happening. Deflatable. <laughs> I don't think the prefix is deaf. <laughs> Man, that lading was deaf. That was some deaf lading. You can't talk to anyone because no one knows what the hell you're talking about. You know? And uh, you're not even sure what you're talking about in the first place. There's no way you can describe it anyway. As if, honestly, I'm, I'm really just <laughs> restating. <laughs> I'm literally just restating the famous, famous thing where, where I forgot which, safer, which Bresla safer it was. Rabbi Nachman starts with the pasuk Ati Adati ki Gadol Hashem Mikola Mikola Eloni. Says, "What's this Ati Adati? Now I know." Yeah. So he gives three uh, yeah. perushim, right. and each one is contradictory to the next. Yeah. Right. So it starts with Ati Adati. No, it's true. Now he knows. Mm-hmm. We all come to moments of illumination in our lives, right? So now I know. Mm-hmm. That's step one. Right? Like I forgot the step two. Like the third one is like Ati Adati is because. It's like, it, it, I don't now, remember exactly. I knew, but I no longer know. Right, and then there's, and then there's like the sense of I can't tell you. Right. So Atiya Dati. Now I know, but you can't know because I can't tell you because this is something which is entirely subjective and outside the realm of language and not related. And I think the second one was like Atiya Dati. Now I can tell you because I understand it. Like it was Masha uh-huh. It totally contradictory, and and amazingly, it's it's exactly how everybody lives. Mm-hmm. On some level, we have we finally have a shared vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Granted, it was all created by like a couple of nut jobs. Uh, you know, what? Well, the social justice warrior stuff. Everybody's using it now. I don't know if you notice this. It is a shared oh, vocabulary yeah, across the planet. Nuts that people but that's it. the shared vocabulary by everyone. So we finally have a shared vocabulary, but none of the words mean anything. So it doesn't make a difference. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make a difference. We're going to have... You know, you can go on Twitter and you can watch a thousand people talk past each other about indigenous rights because none of them are using the word indigenous to mean the same thing. But we'll all use the word indigenous. Right. Um, and, and we'll all agree that there's such a thing as an indigenous right. I'm not sure why there's such a thing. I don't know why anybody hasn't bothered asking what rights are yet. It's like these, these words are niches. And like, you know, if you're on the right, you'll try to use the niche one way. And if you're on the left, you'll try to use the niche another I mean, way. Like, forget but, right but, and left. But, I, I picked, well, I picked whatever. the example. But the, but the point is that like everybody is like on this niche now. Now that you've identified this, now that you've carved out, carved out this chunk of linguistic space, like everybody's going to try to do something. But that. Right, but but none of it, you can't talk to anyone and mm. nobody can identify what's actually the problem because everybody will, will adopt a mirror image 
you know, you say the problem is X, I say the problem is negative X. Because you said Exactly. That X, or the problem is that you said it was X. Or the problem is that you're <laughs> saying things. Whatever. But like, and nobody can talk to each other. And there is no, I don't think anybody feels that we inhabit the same world. I feel, I, I I feel like you're, to... I, I feel a little unsafe. I feel like you're trying to silence me. I wouldn't mind because you're speaking. <laughs> I would not mind silencing you. No, I'm joking. Um, but but I, I, I always go back to that beautiful, beautiful verse. I'm going to be very outspoken um, about being silent. <laughs> I, I love that beautiful verse in that Mark Knopfler song. There's so many different worlds, so many different suns, and we have just one world, but we live in different ones. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Those four lines is like everybody's get past their tribal politics or political tribalism. Get past all the buzzwords and the slogans and the bullshit. Everyone will tell you that's what they're experiencing. Isolation. Yeah. There's no sense. Literally. Everything's just some stupid bubble. My life's a bubble. Every Your man life's is a, bubble. a bubble. Exactly. And no there's no way out island, of it. But every man's a bubble. No, no, but and and so this is what I was. This is why I really wanted to drill into the, the experientially the, the experiential aspect of, of what we described because I really feel that is what everybody's facing, and and us too, the zeitgeist, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and Yisrael will face it in, in in the best of their abilities, and everybody's going through the same thing. I think that's a good place for us to end. There's not a simple conclusion to any of this. But there's work ahead for all of us with living in bubbles, with living with the experience of being bubbles. And I think it's good for us to have that set out in front of us. So on that relatively subdued (laughs) note, (laughs) we we frequently end with uh, be well and be blessed. You know, be well, be blessed. And uh, I have uh, best wishes for all of our listeners as they bravely go out and confront the bubble world. And uh, if you've enjoyed this episode, (laughs) you want to reach out, please like, please share, please talk with us about what you think and feel and how you experience this. We'd love to hear from you. Be in touch.